Good morning, church. Why don't you stand real quick? Give a five-second high to somebody around you. Shake somebody's hand. Only five seconds, though. This is a quick one. This is quick. Stretch real quick. If you need to. Yeah, right. It's time for jumping jacks. (laughs) Okay. All right. Grab a seat. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 20. Not sure if with the time we have remaining we'll get through, we'll finish Luke chapter 20 yet or not, but it was supposed to happen last week. So, Luke chapter 20. A couple things. We really do, uh, our home is open. We'd love to just spend time with you hanging in our house. Probably it's going to be really hot, so uh, crank the AC down and I hope it keeps up. And, uh, but we'd love to have you come by any time today. Um, also, just want to let you know, my wife and I were honored to have the chance to kind of share a lot of our story um, on a monumental podcast recently, and I don't know when that's going to be releasing. should be soon, I would think, and uh, I really, we'll, we'll, we'll get it out to you. There's a lot in there that, it's not the kind of things that we get to share, you know, day in and day out. There are a lot of, a lot of pieces of our story that probably many of you would, don't have any idea about. And um, we hope it's an encouragement to you. And uh, so um, we'll look forward to getting that to you probably, I would assume probably this week, but I'm not for sure. Luke 20, 25 to 40. And uh, the reason I'm going to read 25 will make sense in just a moment. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. The second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. And thankfully, when that happened, no more brothers had to die. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But there's a, there's a distinction between the sons of this age now and the age to come. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared to ask him any question. 
you know, all preaching is a risk. And um, one of the things I've been working on actually is taking more risks in preaching. It's not really how I was taught, but there were a lot of things that I do that weren't according to how I was taught because um, part of my story, it's not just because I'm in rebellion against all my spiritual fathers, it's just that I feel like a lot of my story is being rescued and saved from and delivered from a lot of what is kind of just modern evangelicalism and, uh, and, and, and things that were just so normal for Christians, the Christian life for centuries upon centuries, but began to change you know, in more recent decades um, that have been lost but would have been just extremely normal, extremely normal for Christians 100 years ago or Christians 200 years ago, and, and now just basic Christian things are strange um, to even the church. And uh, sometimes I say things that I need to correct or I need to retract or I even need to seek forgiveness for. And, uh, and I'll just tell you, um, I actually think that's probably just a normal thing. <laughs> you know? um, and, and I actually expect it to be a normal thing. You know? Um, you know not, that I, not that I'm going for sinning while I'm preaching all the time. But I expect it to be a normal thing. And I know that's really strange for you to hear because the way we hear that in evangelicalism today and then the way we hear that in the church today and the way we've heard so much preaching in the last 20 years, you know, it's like the thought that anyone would ever sin by what they're speaking and preaching is just like the worst thing that could ever happen. And I'll just tell you, I just don't think so. I just think it's a normal part of the church's life. And, uh, and I would even argue this. I would even argue that if a preacher is not sinning in his preaching, he's probably not taking any risks um, in his preaching for the sake of the godliness of the church. Think about that a little bit. But I would argue that. So last week, um, I want to correct a statement. And I, didn't even, I knew it was messed up when I said it but I wasn't sure where it came from yet. It was like one of those things that apparently was in my heart and came out, and I had, to, I had to kind of go back and think and figure it out on the way home with my wife in the car. I was like, where did that come from? Because that didn't come from our church. That wasn't a frustration I had with our church. So where did that come from? And what I said, and I said it in frustration, and that's the worst part about it, but I want to correct this statement and kind of correct that moment, and then I want to explain it to you a little bit. And it certainly has a lot of application to what we dealt with last week in regards to authority. But I said, I'm probably compromised in all kinds of ways. How are you compromised? And I was more concerned, actually, with the spirit of, what, of, of how I said it, because I realized I was just really frustrated about it when I said that. And... Um, and in one sense, what I said is true, if you're thinking in one sense. You're, because if you just use the word compromise and you think, oh, the word sin, and you insert the word sin there, well, then of course that's true, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, you know, don't judge me, I won't judge you, you know? Um, and, but that's not actually what I was, that's, that was kind of not what I was saying in the argument or the point I was trying to make. In fact, when I said this, it, it had nothing to do with the point I was actually trying to make at the time. And so, um, but, so that isn't what I was saying. So in the flow of thought last week, what I was trying to get us to, to do was to be obedient to authority with generally a gentle, gentle and peaceable spirit. 
that that generally is the Christian life. And to honor the emperor, you know, to obey the authorities that God has placed over us, and to recognize that to disobey them is to disobey God. And um, in, 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 in the reason is, um, we aren't going to win our nation back from the judgment of God by fighting our authorities and reviling our authorities and grumbling and complaining about our authorities. Just as the Jews who reviled Roman rule didn't win the nation back. In fact, it took them into just a, a complete mess of rejection of Jesus, right? And so, of course, I'm not saying when I... I'm not saying we are silent about the evils in our governmental rule. Our goal is to call them to repentance. But there's kind of this point where we're just so obnoxious that it really is reviling. It's not preaching under repentance. It's just... I just have a critical spirit and I just kind of want to be nasty about it because there's something that satisfies me about that. You know? And we certainly, as Christians, can't obsess and be overly concerned with every detail of our government's rule. Right? We, there's a very real sense in which we are strangers and aliens and exiles here in this world and everything the government... Like, if you're obsessed with everything the government's doing and every detail the government's doing, you're not going to live unto Christ and for Christ and before Christ. And so when I said the comment about being compromised, I shouldn't have said it. I, and so I was on my way home with my wife, and I, and I was just thinking about this, and I realized that I have this, I've had this frustration over the last year um, with the church kind of at large. And, um, and it's been, and, and it's, it's this constant kind of condemnation that if in a day with wearing masks and in the day of COVID and in the day of churches having to stop gathering at least for a time and in the, that this constant obsession with anybody who actually tries to help their people honor the emperor and be obedient to authority is compromised. They're compromised. And they're not just compromised, they're statists. They're state idolaters. And they know nothing about what Romans 13 teaches about obedience to authority. And they know nothing about, you know, our Constitution and the way it delegates authorities. And they know nothing of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Do you know what the doctrine of the lesser magistrate is? Right. Well, you don't have to worry about that right now. But this constant criticism um, that anybody who actually tries to help their people be humble and not just be rebels. And come on, we're rebels. We are rebels. You are a rebel. I am a rebel. We are rebels. Right? It all started a long time ago when we rebelled against God. And if we rebel against the most perfect and wonderful and glorious authority in the entire universe, then of course we revile every other human authority that's imperfect and not worthy of our trust and not... My frustration really is with many who have made masks the new doctrinal confession. 
and ultimately have just divided churches. You may not know anybody who's been in this kind of situation, but I'll tell you, over the last year, it's been an absolute nightmare for churches and pastors. And those who are loud-mouthed gather all those obnoxious people to themselves, and that's the nature of what's been happening in the church in America. And it's been over masks. It's been over masks, you know? And because if, because if, a, if, if the leaders of a church told their church they need to wear masks in obedience to authority, then the people went, well, our pastor's compromised because he's unwilling to stand against the lesser magistrates who are disobeying the constitutional authority that the lesser magistrates are overreaching. And this is sin, and therefore, we uh, are perfectly justified in our division of churches. That's horrendous. That is absolutely horrendous. And so I realized I kind of have had this frustration that apparently has been sitting in my heart for a while. And then it came out kind of in a weird way in the sermon last week when I said I'm probably compromised in all kinds of ways, meaning, you know, the charge is... I'm compromised because I'm trying to teach us what it means to be obedient to authority. Trying to learn myself what it means to actually honor authority, you know? In a day where, you know, that's dangerous ground to walk and talk, you know? So, please forgive me for that. Please forgive me for my frustrated spirit about that. And uh, for oppressing you with that. I do want to make a few more comments. I actually have a feeling these kind of pastoral comments will actually be about all we get through today. First Peter, you don't have to turn there, just listen. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Remember the context was... Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Whether it to be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. Whatever, whether it be the, the, the chief authority or the delegated authorities under them. Or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. For this is the will of God, by dividing churches over masks, by making mask wearing an addendum to our doctrinal statements and our confessions of faith and our creeds, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And as Christians, 
How do we submit to and honor all the authorities over us when they are unjust? That's really the question. When the authorities over us aren't worthy of your trust for one reason or another, you know, when the authorities over us um, don't seem to actually have our best interest in mind, when the authorities over us want to kill us, you know, First Peter, it's the whole context of First Peter. That was what was coming. Honor the emperor. Wait, they want to kill us. Honor the emperor. We honor the emperor, they'll take advantage of us and we'll die. Honor the emperor. The simple answer to the question, you know, how do we submit to and honor all the authorities over us when they are unjust, which means we don't respect them, is we obey in every way that we can as far and as long as we can and as prayerfully and as thankfully as we can. That's what Scripture teaches. We appeal for permission when we need to until we're commanded to sin. And then we communicate with our authorities if free to do so. If free to do so. Some situations where you wouldn't do that. Generally speaking, I'm talking about our culture. If free to do so, we communicate them why we cannot obey them at that point. And we communicate to them why we would obey you at this point and this point and this point and this point and this point, but now at this point we cannot. You know? Rather than doing everything with a reviling spirit and just hiding it all from our authorities and doing whatever we want, we actually communicate with them and give them the honor of response and the honor of our communication to them. What we avoid is just a mocking, reviling disposition. And I'm not saying there's not a place for mocking. You've heard me argue that there's a place for mocking and there's a place for prophetic sarcasm. That's just not the disposition of a Christian towards authorities. There's a big difference between what's generally true in our obedience as Christians and what has a place. And when those two things get turned upside down, we look like a bunch of rebels, because we are, to all the governing authorities. So this is what we avoid. So what do we do? What do we do in a day where governing authorities don't have our respect and don't have our trust and, in many, and for many reasons probably shouldn't? But how do we honor the emperor? What do we do for the sake of Christ? Well, we just get to work repenting, first of all, because the state of our nation is the failure of the church's godliness and repentance for a long time now. You know, it's just like... It's, and it's just as simple as this in my mind. You know, I'm pretty simple-minded. So it's just like as simple as this. If Christians just would have had kids and raised them to be godly for the last hundred years, the state of our nation would be entirely different. But because we rebel against God and we live in the church for ourselves and not for the sake of Christ, we're in a mess. And who should be surprised by it? 
The church ought not to be surprised by it. So we get to work repenting. Then we get to work training men. Then we get to work discipling families. And we get to work raising children and planting churches and just being Christians. And we preach the gospel and we plot for the next 100 or 200 years or whatever is required for our faithfulness to increase and multiply even as we suffer under authorities that want to kill us. So we just get after faithful obedience. That's what we do. Our staff is working on, this is kind of still a rough draft, but our staff is working on a letter because we've just been thinking about this a lot for a while. Um, Some of us have communicated with the mayor's office at various points over the last year. Some of us have done other things to seek to try to find ways to honor the mayor's office and the health commissioner. But um, we're going to write a letter. This is a little rough still. Um, but we're going to talk about it in our elders' meeting and then likely send something to the mayor's office. So I'm just going to read it to you. Dear Mayor Hamilton, the elders of Bloomington Bible Church want to express our gratitude for you and your leadership. We recognize that COVID has made it incredibly challenging for those in authority to lead while having to handle the constant influx of new data and opinions coming from all directions. Even with many opinions abounding, our church has sought to be careful to be obedient to our civil authorities. We recognize that you are working for the common good. We have prayed for you and will continue to do so for strength and wisdom to judge justly. We want to thank you for your service to our city and community. Many cities and states had mayors who made it very difficult for churches around our country. We're extremely grateful that you did not overly burden the churches of our city. When fellow churches asked your office for advice and permission, we found you to be very accommodating. You allowed us to remain open and gather to worship our God. You granted exceptions to limits on gathering sizes, which gave us the freedom to make some of our own choices about how to protect our people and our city, but still worship God. You allowed the preachers to be socially distanced and not have to wear a mask so communication of the word of God could be preached clearly to people. You did not require us to cease from singing praises to our God. There are many other things we could thank you for, but we wanted to write a short letter to you to share our appreciation for you and your leadership. May God bless you and help you rule in a just and righteous way. Sincerely, the elders of Bloomington Bible Church. Now, is there a lot of things that Mayor Hamilton is committed to that are absolutely wicked? Does honoring an authority for what you can honor them for all of a sudden mean you're compromised about what they're committed to that's wicked? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You honor what you can honor... You preach against what you need to preach against. You know, sometimes one of the sometimes one of the things that we miss, we're just not spiritually minded people. We're not actually concerned about our spiritual sanctification. We're not spiritually minded, concerned about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts and lives to make us more like Christ when it comes to these things. Everything's physical. It's all physical. It's about, you know, masks and bodies and places and people. And, and one of the things that's absolutely crucial is that we're spiritually minded people. 
And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. You've heard me say things like, we need to discipline our greed. Yeah. Well, that's true of all of our sins. We all need to be thinking about things that we can actually do physically that help us spiritually. Decisions we need to make to cut off sin from our life, right? Well, greed's been a common one that's come up that I've said, discipline your greed, just because of particular texts we've been in. And things like that. But we also need to discipline our rebellion against authority. We need to discipline our rebellion against authority. So, um, I went and got my second vaccine shot. This is my virtue signal right here. I went and got my second vaccine shot on Friday. And uh, thankfully, I haven't had any severe side effects. I know that has affected a lot of people. But... Um, honestly, I have no idea whether the thing's going to work or not. It's not a medical decision for me. I have no idea if it's going to help. You know, someone probably knows more than me about these things. I have no idea if it's going to help somebody else not get it because I don't have it. I have no idea. The whole reason I got it was for any of those reasons. Because I have no idea. I just don't know. Right? People get a flu vaccine and lots of people still get the flu every year. So... It had nothing to do with that. For me, I did it, and I'm not telling you you need to do it for this reason at all. I'm trying to just give you an example of what it means to be spiritually minded. Okay, I just went and did it because, you know, sometimes I need to discipline myself and my just rebellion against authority. <laughs> you know? And I want you to think about masks for the last year. For some of you, that was really good as a discipline if you're spiritually minded. It's a discipline to just discipline your spirit against your natural inclination to rebel against authority. And so when these kind of things, these kind of things are happening, be spiritually minded, people. Think about your sanctification by the Spirit of God and what's going to produce godly humility in you. What's going to produce Christ-likeness in you. And sometimes, the issue isn't sometimes... It's not about the mask and it's not about the vaccine. It's just sometimes it's actually about what's just good for your soul. <laughs> you know? And so uh, sometimes the endless debates can just get kind of put to death just by the thought of, you know, I actually think it'd be really good for you to do this just because of what it will demand of your selflessness. By the way, th these things have just not been issues in our church, you know, hasn't been a, um, you know, I'm really thankful that we didn't have some big divisive issues or something over the last year, but I still think it's important that we think about obedience to authority. Uh, were anyone again to object and say, we ought not to obey princes who, as far as they can, pervert the holy ordinance of God and thus become savage wild beasts while magistrates ought to bear the image of God. My reply is this, that government established by God ought to be so highly valued by us as to honor even tyrants when in power.
that's Calvin. You know, and that's in a day when honor and respect, you know, it's like we can't be the people who complain about the kids who have no respect while we've rebelled against our governing authorities at the same time. That doesn't work, right? You can't be, you can't be um, constantly reviling your work authorities, men, and then expect your wife to be obedient to you. It never works. All of these authority spheres go together, honoring authority, submission to authority. They all go together and work off one another, right? Let me read that again. Were anyone again to object and say that we ought not to obey princes who as far as they can pervert the holy ordinance of God and thus become savage wild beasts while magistrates ought to bear the image of God. That's what we say, right? right? They're overreaching the rule. They ought to be bearing the image of God and they're not. Therefore, you know, resistance it becomes our number one aim. My reply is this, that the government established by God ought to be so highly valued by us as to honor even tyrants when in power. There is yet another reply still more evident that there has never been a tyranny, nor can one be imagined, however cruel and unbridled, in which some portion of equity has not appeared. And further, some kind of government, however deformed and corrupt it may be, is still better and more beneficial than anarchy. I mean, that's just fascinating, right? So, there's been no severe tyrant or severe persecution or severe tyranny, however cruel and unbridled, in which some portion of equity in which some portion of equity has not also appeared at the same time. And so even bad authority actually exercises goodwill in certain ways for the common good of somebody. And you hear Calvin honoring that reality, even though he's literally in this day, writing to the king of France to persuade him to try to stop killing Christians. And here we are, like, in the church in America, just, and, and, I, and I don't even mean just evangelicalism, I mean, I mean the Reformed Church in America. Like, we have, what testimony would we have other than just being obnoxious to our governing I think it's important that we remember because the, you know, the resist tyrants is a movement, okay? There's a movement that is just growing increasingly popular today, and it's resist tyrants, resist tyrants, resist tyrants. And I understand that. I sympathize with that. But that's not what Scripture commands most clearly. And so our most foundational disposition ought not to be resisting tyrants as if that's the primary Christian 
effort in any society under any authority. The primary Christian life is honor the emperor, be a subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. That's what Scripture clearly commands. And I do have a jealousy over you that I fear that you would be kind of taken captive by the modern movement that is to resist tyrants. There is a place for resisting tyrants. There is a doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Calvin, who wrote this particular paragraph, also wrote in his Institutes the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, which is that those magistrates who are under a higher authority, who are in rebellion against the higher authority, right? You rebel against the lower authority for the sake of keeping the higher authority. And this is why it gets complex with our Constitution and the authorities that are delegated to them. And, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I won't go into them now because it might be too risky. Stop, Josh. Stop your head. Don't go there. It's really important to keep Scripture in mind. What Scripture commands is the most normal disposition of a Christian is being subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, for your Christian witness, and for the honoring of the Lord, who Revelation says, the Lord Jesus, He is the King of the rulers of the earth. I love that. He is the King of the rulers of the earth. That's the normal disposition. Okay? And I'll just tell you, you know, too much rebellion and and resistance against tyranny is war. It's war. And you need to think about the value of life, not just that you're ready to fight. You don't just go to war. You don't just go to war because you're just resisting tyrants. There's a lot of considerations that you have to think about. You don't risk life. You don't just risk tons of life in a war for a principle when everybody's just going to die. You don't do that. You don't risk a bunch of people's lives for a war that has no chance of actually winning. You just don't do it. So I just want to caution us against this, the movement today to just resist tyrants. And if I'm compromised because I'm fighting against that movement of what I would call brash young men, though they have their place, and of course they have their thorough arguments, I don't think they have good proportion. And I don't think that they have... Um, actual good historical case example, even in our legal system. And I don't think they demonstrate what it means to actually honor the emperor. And for crying out loud, I mean, because we live in our culture, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to actually see clearly how far we've fallen. Like, our nation is an absolute train wreck. We are a pagan, wicked train wreck. 
the wickedness that arises out of our nation to, you know, to heaven, to the heavenly places, to God Himself, is absolutely horrendous. You know? And, and I... And the church hasn't been much help. The church hasn't been much help. And so when you have wicked rulers, the first thing you should do is look at your own heart and repent. Because they're given as representatives of our nation. And they're given as representatives of what we should be, of what we have become. And we're so far down this road. Uh, there's no coming out of it, apart from a national revival. There is no coming out of this anytime soon. So I say the effort we have is get to work, train men, be Christians, care about our witness to Jesus Christ plant churches, and just get to work building for the next 100, 200, 300 years. Have children and raise children and have faith for it. And walk repentant lives that have some downcast eyes about them. So wicked rulers are not primarily to be resisted as a first principle, they're primarily to get us to look at our own hearts to see what we've become and repent. Now, I still don't know how all these things are supposed to work when it comes to some of these particulars. But I do know there's some the pride and rebellion that has led to endless division in the churches over the last year makes me really suspect that the fruit of the teaching from the Resist Tyrants crew makes me really suspect that it's the right thing to be taught. Certainly not the right proportion. Teaching that leads to division everywhere in the churches and in good churches makes me really suspect because we know, right, the teaching by its fruit. And it makes me really suspect. So, walk humbly. Walk humbly. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for the testimony and history from men like Calvin and others who have witnessed to what it actually means to honor the emperor, to honor the kings, the princes sent by them, to do it for the Lord's sake and for our Christian witness. Father, we pray that you would we pray that you would be a help to us.
and a strength to us to repent where we need to repent. To discipline our flesh and our worldly mindedness. To learn to submit to humbly and with a quiet spirit those who are wicked. To honor what we can honor even in the most wicked tyrant. And Lord, give us wisdom where we just don't know. Give so much wisdom, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you that this last year just hasn't, these things haven't been a big issue in our church. And Lord, let humility be a great help to this church's unity always, we pray.